Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. why we're talking bigfoot right well take a look at that logo look at that cab logo who's inside that ufo yes there's a gray in there and there's also a bigfoot so you feel what i'm saying get with me all right so anyway i want to introduce my amazing co-host one of whom has probably dropped off due to some sort of a technical issue but let's start with one of the original gangsters of this joint who is doing so many things in the community uh, in the scenes, behind the scenes, a wonderful human being who I'm honored to know, and that is a study of UAPs, Debs. What's up, homie? Hi there. How are you? Good, ma'am. How you doing? It was good to speak with you last night. Oh yeah, it was it was good. And um, I've had a interesting day. I learned about you know microwaves from NASA. Well, I was going to say. I mean, I have an extra one in the garage, actually. If you need one. Yeah, so it's only like a 750 watt. I don't know if that's going to. Yeah. So. so NASA told us don't open it. Like, <laughs> okay. no matter what wattage it is while it's cooking. That's what yeah, I Yeah, the NASA, the NASA <laughs> thing was a lot of airspace. And here's how far our radars can see. And it's like, yeah, this is really great. Can we get to the UAP park? All right. Uh, our next is uh, our newest. Uh, we have two new cabbies here. So we could. Let's start with the, the one on the left, because the one on the right is responsible for us getting the guest of honor tonight. So uh, she uh, is host of this show called Invisible Night School. She's dope as hell. She's smart as hell. And she's read more books this month than I've read in the last year or two years. And that is Leah Primetime. Yes. Hello, everyone. Sorry you can't see my beautiful face. I'm uh, apparently connecting to the internet with two tin cans and a string. So it's just going to be my dulcet voice instead this evening. <laughs> I love you. And, you know, but your knowledge of things, you know, you figured it out. You're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to mitigate this situation. So that's dope, man. Glad you did that uh, because now we've got, we're hearing you nice and stable. And here is another of our new cabbies uh, who we brought on to educate, regulate all about the phenomenon. And for those UFO folks that are out there, that are kind of poo-pooing about Bigfoot, I have news for you. Um, there are enough extremely credible people from all walks of life, and most certainly probably the walk of a, a walk of life that you find admirable and believable that have seen this creature uh, walking around in the woods. Uh, and with family members, male, female, the whole nine yards, not to mention the fact that the Patterson-Gimlin film is in fact a female. And that is the host of Bigfoot Crossroads, Matt Nath. What's up, gangster? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> What's up, man? G-Unit? I love it, man. Uh, so ever since I met Matt, um, we couldn't have been more than a couple of phone conversations in when he told me about the guy that he refers to as my brother and a gentleman whom he has researched with, spent many hours with, 
probably shared campsites in many places. Uh, they visited one another. And uh, I've heard this podcast as well and really respect this gentleman. Um, and he is the host of the Bigfoot Club. So party people, put those hands together for my man, Robert Dominguez. Oh, hell yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> that was a good intro, man. <laughs> I feel like a wrestler. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, man. What you got, Leah? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, DJ, I always wish I had you to announce my entry into every room. <laughs> we can, you know, I'm willing to do that for you, Prime Tom. You're, you're donating your time to this show. Uh, and, and I'm always, you know, not only, uh, Bob, you know, you feel when uh, you're honored when a guest wants to come on uh, every time because someone's willing to give of their time. Similarly, they're honored because you are asked, you're curious what their opinion is on something. And it's an honor anytime somebody's like, I want to know what you think about X. And in this case, uh, you know, someone is willing to collab with you. That's another honor. So really, as much as people sort of will um, have something to say about the, the Bigfoot community and the Twitter community, there's a lot of great people, late, uh, there are a lot of great friends that you make, and that's what you need to focus on uh, as opposed to the negativity. You know, that, that's what I focus on is all the people I've met as a result of this, just like I'm meeting you tonight. So welcome, welcome, sir. And um, we'd love to hear uh, more about you. Matt suggested, you know, you kind of go in and tell people about your couple of decades worth of research, and then Matt's going to jump in and take this joint over. I appreciate it, Jay. I <laughs> yes, really, brother. really do. Um, you know, I've known Matt a long time, and you know, he and I were we we stomped a lot of the same woods and put our boots down in the same areas. So, um, I mean, I I started like in almost the same way he did, almost like in the '90s, and uh, you know, way back. I can even go back further. Whenever I was a kid, uh, my father took me to uh, to go see a drive-in uh, to go see the Legend of Boggy Creek. And I was terrified, but I was like intrigued, you know, at the same time. So, you know, decades later, I'm on, I'm on the internet looking up Texas Bigfoot and, you know, long and behold, I always thought it was like the Pacific Northwest and, you know, long and behold, it's like in East Texas. And I met up with some people uh, in East Dallas and we formed a Texas Bigfoot Research Center. And without, you know, I, I would just say this, without joining that group. I probably would never have met Matt. So I, I'm really happy. I'm no longer in that group uh, and I've moved on. But, uh, you know, I was really happy to be a part of that group, help get started. And then uh, just kind of, you know, at, <laughs> and I'll just say that at that time, there wasn't that many Spanish people doing Bigfoot stuff. And like the night, maybe it was like me and maybe Daniel Perez and maybe a guy in, uh, Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society, and I think that's about it. So, whenever I would tell people I would go looking for Bigfoot, people would always like, dude, double take on me or something. So, <laughs> are you weird, Holmes? I know, like, like I said, don't be in the woods, Holmes. <laughs> no, it's awesome when there's people of color in it. You know, there's a couple, yeah, uh, brothers in Alabama that are doing it, and I just love hearing it because I don't, I don't, and they basically got it, they're using the they're hunting buddies, you know, and they had like a hunting uh, lease that they would go to. And they're, they're so into it, man. And, and it's yeah. just, it's awesome to see. I just want to add a show note before we begin. 
First of all, um, I, I forgot to mention that Nathan is uh, on a trip tonight, uh, driving with his son, um, so he couldn't make it tonight. Uh, but his regards to you, Robert. Um, Nathan is increasingly involved in not only uh, working full-time in the family, but he's got a couple podcasts that he's working with. And um, so I regret he couldn't be there. And I also want to say hello to Jules. Jules is our chat moderator. She is the best in the business. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so hi, Jules. Good evening. Thank you hey, for Jules. being here. And um, and please uh, go, go on ahead with uh, what you're saying. The Red, River, the Red River rivalry apparently was canceled so that you and Matt could get together. That's what happened. You, you know, it's funny because like I had, I had left the TBRC. And at the time, we were doing some stuff in Lamar County. And there was a, we had a couple of videos uh, that, that we were doing. And um, we were going to showcase them. And I think that's how I met Matt. I met him through another buddy of ours. And uh, we, were, we were showcasing some video. And Matt just came up. And we ended, up, we ended up meeting. We just hooked up. And for some reason, you know, we just gravitated toward each other. Because, like, his beliefs and my beliefs were similar. And uh, the way we approached it and how, you know, we, we always thought about helping people first before, uh, you know, trying to, trying to prove that this animal is uh, real. So uh, I, always, I always wanted to, to do that. And so once I met Matt, he was, he was always um, in that perspective of just helping people. So, and I, I don't know, we just, we just like the same things. We like comics and we like the same music and, uh, so I don't know. We just kind of hit it off, and we've been close since then. So um, I can't think of anybody else because I know he's been on my show a ton. <laughs> and I've been on his show a ton. It's like you know, uh, sometimes me, me and Steven, my 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 co-host for my show, we always we, we start a show and we go, I wonder if Matt's gonna call. <laughs> so so that's, that's awesome. That's how close we are. So uh, and you know so. But you know, I ended up doing that, and then uh, after after I left the TBRC and went on my own, I started doing some other stuff. Started researching because, like, whenever you're with a group DJ, sometimes groups have like, you know, laws and bylaws and, and dynamics. Yeah, dynamics yeah, you bullshit. can't go past. So you know, you can't talk, you know, to people who have paranormal or supernatural events or no similar no. to that. So. And so that once I did that, then I, I got recruited to be on a paranormal group with a lady by the name of uh, Kendall Wilkerson, which she's the best, by the way. And yeah. I was her case director for 10 years. So I, I, I had the, the, the good graces of, you know, doing encrypted stuff, you know, for 20 and then doing paranormal stuff for 10. So I got I got to touch both sides of that on helping people. So to me, that was that was, you know, great because. You see, you know, a lot of times whenever you're in the field and Matt can, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for Matt, but I know he, he'll, he'll agree with me on this, but, you know, you can be in the woods and looking for Bigfoot and all of a sudden paranormal stuff happens and it just comes out of nowhere. And so <laughs> there's, there's some stuff I've had in the woods that I cannot explain. And I, we, we going to get into it, baby. <laughs> so... <laughs> So fast forward now, you know, I kind of, you know, Matt, Matt's been doing his show for a long time. And uh, I know I've been a guest, on, like I said, I've been a guest on his show. And so I kind of wanted to do a show off, off, you know, come almost off his, but, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, you know, whenever you're with groups, you're kind of limited on what you can say and what you can't say. 
And so I wanted to do, you know, Bigfoot Club to talk about stuff that I did was killing me. You know, I said, okay, I got, I have to talk about this. This is, this is bugging me. And so that's how I kind of got the idea of doing Bigfoot Club. So, so we're like, we're like anti-heroes. So that's the way I look at it. So I, I tell Matt this all the time. We're not podcasters. We're cryptid sports entertainers. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is the way you describe it, where you say, I can't say that. It's almost like you're part of the papal court, you know, like you work in the yeah. Vatican and you're like, you know, I really like the way the Lutherans uh, think about this aspect of the Bible, but you dare not say it. <laughs> right. You get chastised like, and stuff. So, um, I want to go. I want to go off roading for a second, Robert, because you said something when you talked about the uh, talking about proving the existence of these creatures in the woods, and I, and because we have four wheel drive, I want to go to prime time real quick and say, prime time, you're very very familiar with this community. Why is it that the UFO community seems to, or and maybe this is a perception problem with me, and it's not, it's 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 perceived only. Why do people have a problem acknowledging Bigfoot or recognizing Bigfoot? Could you do you have any hypothesis about that? Well, as the formal spokesperson for the entire the community. UFO community, yes, yes. I feel particularly no qualified here. to comment on this. Um, you know, I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, my, my honest to God answer is that I think ufology, given how incredibly personal the relationships seem to be between people in the subject, they see any kind of encroachment by any other paranormal phenomenon or experience or cryptid <laughs> as basically an adulterant. Um, or a threat to sort of their perception of the subject. Oh my God, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. Now, now, but it, it, like my my actual answer is also that um, I see these I see cryptid phenomena, high strangeness, fortiana, ufology, experiencer phenomena, is all part of a constellation of or, or spectrum of experiences that exist sort of in the numinous, like exist in this like mysterious third place beyond like truth and falsity. Um, but I, I genuinely think a lot of it has to do with basically people's immensely personal connections to ufology in the sense that um, th there's almost like an ideological purity associated with ufology. So any other subject um, is uh, almost taboo or verboten because it affects kind of the, the pure, um, you know, flying saucer, nuts and bolts, etc., um, interpretation of events. I'm not saying I agree with this, to be clear, but that's my perception of it. Uh oh, DJ, you're silent. Let's just try to read his lips for a little while. That's not He's saying prime time. Ah, you know this this is the most saying... brilliant words that have ever been broadcast on CAB. <laughs> I wanted to use our telepathy skills. I'm like trying to read DJ's mind. I'm trying to remote view his mute settings. <laughs> I think I think the answer is because uh, ufologists are always looking up and Bigfooters are always looking down. So they don't ever see one another. They don't see eye to eye. Matt has the very actual pragmatic response. I just like, it's so clear I sat way too long in academia, right? Um, <laughs> I'm just like, I like yeah, your big words. It's fine. Um, you know, no, I mean, this is like, I, I, I think it's a good, it's a great question too, because I feel like there, there is 
there seems to be a major correlation between Bigfoot encrypted encounters and UFO experiences, right? Isn't there something, isn't there a major it crossover was, with these things? Yeah, it was one of the first things that I ever heard whenever I got involved in Bigfoot. Uh, people that wouldn't dare, uh, you know, mention a breath of paranormal involvement with Bigfoot, you know, around a campfire, uh, so to speak, when the recorders are all turned off and you can't document mm -hmm. what they're saying. Uh, one of the first stories I heard was about a UFO being seen coming down in a field and opening up and this this orb of light traveled out and grew in size. And then this orb of light turned into Bigfoot creatures that ran off into the woods. Mm -hmm. And I mean, test, that was test, coming test. from a hardcore flesh and blood guy. Uh, DJ, you're back. Test, test, test. That sound okay, Oh, there Deb? he is. Deb, there how's is. That, is that? Is that crackling? How's the level? Sounds good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, um, thank you. It it had switched over to AirPods, and then my mic program went to mute, so everything went wrong. And I'm gonna blame Matt because I believe like sure, he drew sure, whatever absolutely. spirits yeah. that that came here and said we're gonna mute DJ. One hundred percent. I'm sorry. <laughs> ahead, I was so, gonna blame the know. remote viewing. <laughs> but, um, I just wanted to say real quick, if yes, I can, please, that I please, think I think one of the reasons we have problems with overlap is that there are some topics that just are really uncomfortable for people. So people have to overcome their discomfort yeah. to like some people are terrified of the idea of Bigfoot. Some people are terrified of the idea of like UFOs and some people are terrified of ghosts. So. I'm just going to throw that out there as one of the reasons that people are like, nope, that one needs to stay at arm's length. This one I'll talk about. I, I just want to say Deb is not terrified of ghosts despite the speed that she left that restaurant bathroom in after that door moved on its own. I but she's not back. terrified. I want to get, yes, I want to, for the record, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you, so you're, and this is what's interesting, Robert, is you're down with all three of these topics. Yes. I, I am. I mean, I don't. I have. I have like. I to be honest with you, I I use a lot of the equipment that I have in both. So I have like a a couple of um, you know K two meters, and I use that in the field all the time. Because uh, I I've said this repeatedly, and I, if I'm bringing this up, I'm sorry, but I always feel that EVP and infrasound is the same. Mm -hmm. I've always I've always felt that you know because like people people react differently to EVP and um, you know, infrasound, they get nauseated, they get, they get headaches and stuff like that. So some of the stuff I have like gear wise, I, that ghost stuff, I will take into the field as, as Bigfoot stuff. So I kind of, I kind of like, cause I, I've gone back and asked people whenever I've done like years of research and I've interviewed people, I go back to them and say, Hey, whenever you saw this Bigfoot, did, how did you feel? You mm -hmm. know, did you feel nauseated? Did you feel sick? Did you feel, you know, like, you, you know, just crazy and then they always agree with yeah i felt all that and so i uh, i don't know i mean i i think i you can use you know some of the stuff that you learn on both sides uh with each other so that's just the way i see it and it's worth oh. adding that quantum physics is having a lot of fun looking at that spectrum right now you know from sound light frequency yes yeah and the sound that they make uh, is not it's not unknown in, in the animal world. Other animals, other predators use it, but Bigfoot seems to be able to maybe project it in a unique way and in, in, and in, in some cases isolate it, it seems like, to an individual. Does mm -hmm. that check, Matt, Robert? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've been in the field. I've been in the field, like, with a K2 meter, and there's, like, no power lines, nothing, no houses. And when I was doing Bigfoot stuff, it, the, the K2 meter was reading at 20 milligauss for no reason. Mm -hmm. And so I go, man, you know, two milligauss is a lot. 20? Uh, and, and it would just it would just peg off for, like, 10 minutes. So, and I didn't get any calls at the time, but I don't know what was in the area, but I don't know if I was standing on a ley line or a portal, I don't know. So, but it's, it's crazy. And I was documenting, I said, oh my God, look at this. And, and I, I, and I, for, you know, I looked up on satellite stuff afterwards and there was nothing around us that was close enough to even make it peg off that much. But, but anyway. give, give us a reference on what, what, uh, what that, give us a reference of that, that. So we're, what is the, the, uh, the measurement that you're measuring there? It is, uh, the, the, the uh, the Malagaus is it's what it's it's common known as uh, people in theory believe that whenever a ghost uh, manifests, it uses uh, this the Malagaus to to conjure itself out to be seen uh, as a full body aberration or something. So and then at the same time, I I always felt that Bigfoots can do um, um, you know they can they can emit this as well. So uh it's, it's just a theory of mine it's just conjecture so i mean it's just whenever i interview people i come across sometimes that whenever i'm interviewing some people they have they have some stories that i have some supernatural stuff to it and i can't explain it so that's what kind of got me you know to think of that way so i just wanted to say that i i i, uh, I love it because it, it does keep people's minds open about what the possibilities are and that's the key of what you said you weren't getting in those groups. But um, at this point, what I'd like to do is turn the floor over to Matt so that you guys can have some dialogue about the uh, dearth of experiences that you guys have had. And as far as our cabbies here, when you want to ask a question, just, you know, sort of Roger up that you want to get in there and ask something so that uh, they don't get too far uh, away from that particular topic that you're interested in. And, and let's fire side. We got the fire going. All you got to do now, I don't know what you you brought any hot dogs or if you've got any <laughs> s'mores or marshmallows but but it's, it's right there below you right there bob okay oh chorizo too right chorizo baby now we're talking <laughs> chorizo and pan all right go ahead go ahead matt take i had brother. chorizo on a bigfoot outing once and i would not suggest it uh, just, <laughs> just to be perfectly honest it does not make for good camp food <laughs> it's yes, breakfast food i'll just say it's breakfast food so <laughs> yeah yeah i started that day out wrong <laughs> Matt's like, hey man, I gotta go dig a hole. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, brother. <laughs> uh, anybody who's not uh, familiar, I, I don't know, DJ, if this is like what you're asking, but a K2 meter measures uh, electromagnetic field uh, fluctuations in the environment. I, I don't know what the exact range is on it, like how far out it can detect these changes, or if something close would measure higher than it would if it was far away, but. Uh, you know, Robert and I have talked over the years and he was, uh, the first person that ever pointed out to myself, at least that, uh, the symptoms that a person feels from infrasound are very similar and the same as symptoms reported from, uh, EMF, which paranormal researchers have paid attention to for years. Yeah. And, uh, out in the woods, you know, there shouldn't be any measurable emf uh, at least not with the type of equipment that you know uh, a, a typical consumer would have in their possession or anything and 
Robert and uh, from what I've heard, other people as well have discovered these fluctuations at different times while in areas where reported Bigfoot activity is taking place. Uh, so it's definitely an avenue that needs to be studied more. And uh, I wish more Bigfooters would get on board with it. Uh, in the past, we've had uh, numerous occasions where paranormal researchers would be out in the field in a wooded area or a remote area, especially old cemeteries. And while they were doing their paranormal research, they would end up having what we would think as a typical Bigfoot encounter. And uh, Robert, do you have any old cemetery stories like that? I know um, whenever I took Steven out, my uh, my nephew went out to Hallsville, uh, Texas, and um, I went out there with Luke. We were meeting with another paranormal group and we were doing, uh, we, we tagged along with them because they were doing, it was an old cemetery um, for uh, this slave cemetery. And we went out, we tagged along with them to do some, to do some uh, EVP work. And then I had noticed on uh, some website, I can't, I can't recall which, which website it was, but there was some Bigfoot activity in that area. So we tagged along. And as soon as they were done with their, with their session, we did a couple tree knocks and it was in a cemetery and we did a couple tree knocks, couple, couple yells. And then within five to 10 minutes, we got uh, maybe a call back over to our right. And then we got another call back over to our left. And then, um, and then we got eye shine like eight feet off the ground uh, over to our left again. Ooh. And so uh, once, once we got that, uh, once we got eye shine, someone said eye shine and we were looking something across the street which probably like 100 yards away who started pelting us with rocks and so as soon as we took the flashlight off the eye shine the victim was gone whatever the eye shine was was gone and so um but that was in a cemetery and uh, it was just kind of odd how that happened it was like and i was telling steven my 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 co-host at the time he was 10 and um I took it's him his out nephew him. just before yeah. anybody thinks anything yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> my, no my, my uh, nephew, he, whenever, whenever he, I took him out to the field. Um, he, uh, I told him, I said, you don't know, you, we don't ever get Bigfoot stuff the first time we go in the field. So feel lucky. So, <laughs> so it happened. <laughs> yeah. So he was pretty, he was pretty excited. And he was pretty scared at the same time. So that, that's one of the stories I had with the cemetery. So. He was very reluctant to be tied to the tree at first and left out there by himself. But, <laughs> <That's bait. laughs> you know, eventually Squatch bait. Yeah. I was, I, I was, I was hazing him too. Cause like, it was like, it was, pitch, it was pitch black dark. You couldn't see your hand in front of you. And so I was telling him, I said, Hey, uh, I go, I think I got flashlights or did, or did I put batteries? He's like, oh, I don't know. I go, Oh, well. And he goes, come on, man. And then like, I had a spotlight. Go, oh yeah. I have a spotlight. Oh, but wait, dude, I told you. <laughs> but he was he was pretty scared and just come on man come on so what matt is suggesting is you did like king kong where they tied the the woman the scantily yeah. clad woman <laughs> to the tree and just draw kong in so um the the question i was going to ask and and please after this uh prime time and, and deb if you have something um uh, robert your theory is it i shine is it reflecting light off of either someone's emitter or the or the moon or, it, or are those eyes, do you think that they are actually emitting light that is different than a fox or a raccoon or a dog or a cat or et cetera? 
yeah i think at the time uh they were emitting like red eyeshadow from what i i recall emitting light not reflecting light yeah i was i mean well okay i'm sorry it was it was re reflecting the, the flashlight and whenever okay. whenever whenever we got eyeshine it, it it was red so it wasn't yellow it wasn't white it wasn't it was red so so you don't you haven't seen evidence that their eyes can emit light that that is more of more uh given to lore bigfoot lore than yeah i i would i would i would agree with that because that's what and, and i'm sorry if i didn't, wasn't clear on that but no, uh, that's fine it's yeah so that's what that's what we got in, in the field of in, in the cemetery first time i took my nephew out so okay that's pretty Debs has something for you yeah it's just the question of lore and since you since you kind of said you don't think that one's the case um can you kind of crack down on some other lore that might be disprovable um let me see let me let me think on that one um uh i can't think of i mean because i know i've talked to a lot of people in the past about about portals and um they've, they've always talked about that portals and um and they and the, the, you know some of the old stories where they would just like steal children um, there, there are, there are some stories of, you know, supposedly Bigfoot stealing children, but, um, it's usually on Reddit and I don't really, I don't go along with Reddit too much. So that's me, <laughs> but, uh, but lore wise, I mean, yeah, you, you always hear like, you know, Native Americans saying that Bigfoot's come, they used to, they used to, they used to be like the, like the protector of the woods. And if you went out in the woods, you know, you got taken. And so I, I don't get a lot of stories like recently of Bigfoot's taking children. I've heard from another person, from another person that it's happened, but it's never, never been factual or, or actually been uh, proven or uh, substantiated, so. I think that's interesting because that seems to be a common thing, theme along like a lot of the paranormal, like going back to trolls and fae and into, mm -hmm. of course, or of course, the UFO issues, the concern that they keep interacting with children. That's an interesting, uh, interesting one to tag on to Bigfoot too. I mean, so you hear a lot of stuff like that. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Please, please. I was just go gonna ahead. say, like, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm Spanish, so you get a lot of lords of like thunderbirds, uh, brujas, which are witches, and uh, you get, uh, you get a lot of stories of them, like taking children as well and like from villages and stuff like that so i don't know if it's just a common story that just kind of carries over to the next the next lord the next cryptid so i i don't know that's that's it's just kind of common to me i wonder I, if it was something that you know was just kind of ingrained in humanity from an early start you know like say like a primitive tribes out there and the child wanders off or gets taken by a mountain lion or something and just disappears and you know the stories traveling around about children disappearing like that because we know that still today like people go camping and children wander off into the woods and disappear all the time yeah. uh sometimes they're found but most often they're not and i'm wondering if that's how it ended up in all these different uh pieces of folklore about them taking children like that I like that. I, kn I know that uh, Cliff and Bobo told a story, told two narratives. Everyone knows the one from North Carolina, but they told two narratives about young children. I think they were both male. One may have been a female. I've actually heard a third in Canada that was a female. 
where the Bigfoot apparently kept the child warm and at night and guided the child back to where it came from. There, I mean, one of them, what the kid describes, it certainly was not a bear that took care of him. That's not mm. happening. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I had a, I had a story recently, probably like a season ago, uh, this lady reached out to me. Uh, she lived in Texas, but she was camping in Arkansas and she had a story of her little, her little boy. I think at the time he was like four or five and they were, they were camping somewhere in Arkansas. I wish I could remember which one it was. And, um, she had two sons. One was 10. The other one was four or five. And the, and the, the, the smallest one wandered off and they couldn't, they couldn't find him. So they were camping with other people in this one area. So they kind of, uh, kind of got all together and they started fanning out to go find this little boy and they must've looked for like an hour. And whenever he eventually came back like an hour and he told his, he told his mom, which is the lady that was on, that was talking to me about it. She said that, uh, he was, he was guided back by two talking bears and the mama bear was holding the baby and the daddy bear was arguing with the mama bear and they were like corralling him with their arms to go back. And so that was probably one of the, you know, strangest, amazing stories I ever had. I said, man, that's, that's, I go, can I tell that story, please? So, so that was, that was a really, really good story. And I wish I, I recall what lake or what camping ground that was at, but. Prime time. What, what do you think about that? Oh man, I love these kinds of stories. Um, and I also, I'm really taken with this sort of perennialist bent on the subject, mm -hmm. like that these stories show up across different cultures, across different geographies throughout time. Um, you know, what, what I always come back to with the subject of cryptids or with um, like the continuity of these myths, legends, folklores, I, I use those terms without conferring like belief or not belief, it's just sort of popular popular imagination um it is i'm always curious and wondering basically how much of these are strict materialist phenomena and how much of them aren't and, and i i bring that up because um when we had vic on to talk about the dogmen this was something that he talked about if i recall like this sort of evolution of his view on the subject from being a strictly materialist um, physical phenomena to something um, I think much deeper or more sophisticated than just base physical reality. Um, and, and so uh, that's my very long circuitous way of saying that like when I hear like a child recounting this kind of story, right? Like where or how, like I, you wouldn't expect a kid to have that, that uh, nuanced of a worldview to be able to just craft and make up something like this. Um, let alone a motivation. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I, I, I just love these kinds of stories, I think, uh, or these narratives or these experiences that people report, because I think they speak to, um, they speak to events, I think, that have happened throughout human history, and also uh, address some of the most like, primal fears that humans possess, right, the loss of a child, the, the mystery of losing a child and then the delivery back from safety. Yeah. It, I'm Matt and, and, and Robert jump in on this. Cause there's been, first of all, there's been multiple stories about hearing them speak in that manner, which the child described from, from seasoned adults in the woods, oh, by the way, man, 
I, I, I'm sorry, one more thing to say, which is I can distinctly remember, like, my Bigfoot education came from Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, right, in the 90s and early aughts. And I say that because I can distinctly remember him playing recordings. I think there was, like, a very specific recording he played pretty frequently. And he, he explicitly, yeah, the Sierra yeah. sounds. And he explicitly talked about how it sounded like Bigfoot's fighting. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it was kind of interesting, too, to hear that description brought up. Yeah, I, I know I interviewed this one guy and he didn't know anything about Bigfoot and he said that it sounded like a samurai. That's what he sounded that's what he said it sounded like. It sounded like like that. And I go, I go, exactly like that. He goes, exactly. <laughs> so um that to me that was amazing whenever he told me that story. So Yeah, I mean there's there's uh, multiple people. I don't know how many. I know Matt knows some, I'm sure Robert knows some of hearing a native american dialect um um trying to remember the young lady in oklahoma if you guys can help me out that has the uh the uh the piece of property that rick taylor went to what's her name again arlo williams yeah arlo Arlo williams Williams. you know speak cherokee and hears them speaking that there's a guy from uh georgia named alex uh, midnight walker who would um uh, hear elements of spanish and would would speak Spanish to them, and play his guitar for them, and they would they would make noises when he would stop playing his guitar. <laughs> uh, Alex would go out there; he'd he'd go a couple miles out into the woods by himself in the middle of the night and do this. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember him. So there's there's so much out there prime time on 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 these guys. And also, real quickly, Matt and I discussed this the other night, but there was a British woman who came in the late 80s to work in Mountain View, California in, in the early software computer days mm-hmm. and had an experience where she went out to one of those trailheads that led to the beach and was sitting out there. And as she was getting ready to photograph the sunset, she was offset from the trailhead. So, you know, she was laterally away from it. And supposedly a family of Bigfoots came out and got into the water and started playing in the water and playing with the seaweed. And she nearly had a heart attack, dropped her camera lens. And when the alpha male turned around, she was absolutely frozen. And it was the female that was sort of grabbing at him, telling him, don't, you know, don't go over there. Don't go over there, Mm -hmm. you know, in whatever their language is. And she talked about them chantering back and forth, quote, unquote, that, that sounded like what they described in that samurai chatter in, in Sierra Sounds, at least. Anyway, it was a terrifying encounter. She ended up getting drugged back to her car, uh, about 30 yards from her car, and kind of left there uh, uh, by whatever. She just passed out and doesn't know what happened, but she got drugged back to her car and left there. So mm-hmm. anyway, shortly I mean, there, went back to the UK. Even if these aren't malevolent encounters, I can imagine that having them in and of themselves are almost traumatic, right? Because they're so um, shocking and surprising. Yes. Yes. Uh, Well, when you have, you know, the way that she tells it, if you have an alpha male staring at you and he won't remove his eyes from you and he's trying to get over to you and he's sort of being held back by the, the matriarch of this family, and then eventually pulls away from her and starts making his way toward you. I mean, we've heard of people urinating. We heard of people mm-hmm. passing out. All these things are commonplace in Bigfoot. Um, slightly different than 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 the, the type of fear from UFOs. Although, you know, if you talk to mm-hmm. Travis Walton, he might differ with that. But but um, there's a physical imposition 
that's going on there that that generally people aren't experiencing uh, with with the gray that they may feel like they're bigger than, even though if they have no power over it. So I'm sorry. Take it away, Matt and Robert, with with whatever commentary. On <laughs> I'm thinking about telling a story, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, Please. I mean, fair warning. Now this story is somewhat X-rated. Uh, I, I, so, uh, I believe I believe it happened. You, you quoted uh, in the, a Van Halen album title, so fair warning, you're good to go right there. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I believe it happened in the Red River area, uh, along the Red River somewhere. Uh, so the story goes: there was a a lady who had gotten into an argument with her husband or her boyfriend or something, and had taken off in the pickup truck, and she is pulled down in the riverbed area uh there's areas where it's very shallow and sandy on each side almost like a beach and it, it sits much lower so like you if you were 30 yards off of the river you wouldn't be able to see over the we have this tall grass that's about four feet tall you know and it's down lower so she was well out of view of anybody she was out in the middle of nowhere and uh she had slept or i I, just to be fully transparent, she might have passed out. She might have been drinking. I don't remember. Uh, but she slept in the truck. And mm -hmm. at some point, uh, early, early in the morning, uh, it was daylight. She was woken up by something. And she's like laying kind of in the seat of the truck all stretched out. And she opens her eyes. And at her feet is a very large Bigfoot staring at her through the window. And uh, he is self-pleasuring himself. <laughs> and she freaks out and, you know, scrunches her legs up and draws up against the window of the opposite side up against the door. And she can now see a female Bigfoot standing kind of farther up towards the front of the truck, past the front of the truck. And the female preg is pregnant, uh, visibly pregnant. And starts saying something. Uh, she can tell by its tone. This female Bigfoot is very unpleased <laughs> with what's going on. You know, she's bitching at him, basically. This is a family show. I just, everybody, just so that you know, <laughs> uh, but go ahead, man. Yeah. Uh, so the male stops and, like, looks at the female Bigfoot and then kind of looks back at her. And there's more, you know, rah, rah, rah back and forth <laughs> and then the male bigfoot walks off and joins the female and they walk off down the riverbed and disappear out of sight and the woman hauls it out of there robert how do you say you're cut off in bigfoot do you know the actual words from that <laughs> it is literally rah, rah, rah. it's it's chorizo <laughs> yeah so that is the first time i have ever heard that but there is that question, so I, I, I'm going to have to bring it up because you guys have heard a lot of stories and I have heard a lot of stories from people and of their experiences where Bigfoot is looking in the window. And a lot of and a lot of times there's a female involved. Not always. Sometimes there's a male. Sometimes it's a it's a, a young person. But a lot of times it's attributed to curiosity. Uh, what What is your take on? I mean, Matt, Bob, <laughs> what is your take on if there's an attraction to humans? Matt, Matt, may I? By all means. 
<laughs> the the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> there's been there's been a couple there's been a couple cases where uh, a lady reached out to me and at the time I think uh, I forgot what county it was, but they were burning trash. They were they were burning their trash, and she was getting a bigfoot coming to her back back of her house, looking through the windows. She had two two young girls. They're probably like you know five and six. So. Uh, I asked her a bunch of questions and I, you know, we got to the part of her uh, burning trash. And then I asked her, I said, this is going to be a personal question. I go, but are you a heavy bleeder? And she said, yes, I am. <laughs> and I, and I hate to say that, but you know, cause like she was burning, she was burning her stuff at the, at, at you know, at the, I guess the end of the week or something. And she would leave it out there. So the big foot was attracted to her, her bleeding. And, so I told her, I said, this is what you do. Get a freezer Ziploc bag, put some growth, put it in a Ziploc, put it in the freezer, and when you're ready to burn it, take it out and burn it. And so I eventually told her that at the time, uh, I told her to, you know, Kmart was available and Walmart was, you know, back then. I said, go to Kmart, go to Walmart. Recycle. Yeah. Do that and also get you some um, some uh, some game trackers. And they, they run off C batteries. And just put them back in your house and you won't see a bigfoot again that's what i told her and um so that was that was the case on a couple of times that you know i've had to tell somebody okay and i you know it it's just kind of awkward whenever you talk about stuff like that but you know you got to get to the root of the matter and try to you know try to help the people the, like the best they can because she clearly didn't want to see a bigfoot you know with her kids and stuff so Robert, detectives sometimes have to ask. I mean, you guys yeah. are acting like detectives and they have to ask uncomfortable questions. L Leah, I mean, all I would say is that I don't want to date a female Bigfoot, but I, I would at least it would be nice to know if she thought I was attractive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I wanted to comment if I can. That, yes, um, ma'am, please. <laughs> of course, I do some, some deep dives on anthropology and um, what they've discovered about hominins on the planet. And one thing that they've said recently is that it may have been that when hominins were interbreeding, they may not have had the same problem of species being unable to breed back in the day, um, that there may have been more different roles for nature back in the day. So mm -hmm. like these different hominins may have actually been different species. So there was attraction between different species back in the day mm -hmm. is what I was going to follow up on. Um, that's like most recent research, essentially. Deb, I was going to say you make an interesting point, but I, I think um, I have heard researchers say this before, and Matt, and I'm sure Matt and Robert have heard this, Deb, but they've said, well, an elk isn't attracted to a deer and vice versa, but they're very close cousins. So I, what's your guys take on 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 that uh, attraction piece, Matt I, and, I, and Robert? Uh, go ahead, Deb. Oh, I had a question, too. That's that I was going to. I've switched gears, but I will say for that, I think like any canine, they're going to mess with each other. <laughs> like, you know, they're a fox, <laughs> like, a dog, they don't care. Yeah, I was going to say, there's plenty of examples of like cross species horny, right? Like, DJ. <laughs> I, I right, know. Me and anything. Yeah, right. Don't I mean, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> we were supposed to be talking about a completely different subject. <laughs> I can I can switch gears with my questions. I, let me just I, say I, this, okay? I I mean I know we're having a good time and we're joking around, but honestly, so I mean there's a lot of theory out there, okay? Uh, 
and one of those theories is that these uh, things live in groups very similar to uh, basically other primates where you have an alpha male in the group and that if you're a subordinate male you eventually reach an age where you have certain desires and if they can't uh, solve those issues among the group because the alpha male won't like let them then those subordinate males might seek it elsewhere. And that's where you get a lot of these stories. And what you're Ooh. talking about looking in the windows, yes, there are countless stories of they are looking in the windows at women or teenage girls. Uh, we, Robert and I both know a lady down in Texas who's a veteran of this field, a, a long, long time researcher. And as a matter of fact, the first time I ever went on a huge group outing, we stayed at her house. And uh, she was, at the time, married to a gentleman who was a, uh, a long, over-the-road truck driver. Mm -hmm. And these things were coming up to her house when he would leave. And wow. only when he would leave. And he parked his truck uh, basically at the end of the road where they lived. And whenever you heard his truck pull up and park the activity would stop until he left town again. And it wouldn't start back up until he had been gone for a day or two. And they were coming right up to her bedroom window. She got some amazing audio recorded over the years by setting Ooh. a recorder in her bedroom window at night. Okay, now I have another question. <laughs> you keep I was making... say, this is... Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. So, so this is for both of you. Have you heard stories of one male with lots of females like primates tend to gravitate towards? I haven't. I haven't heard of any sightings of lots of females. I, I haven't either. I, and I did wanted to add to the story I was talking about, about the, the lady with the heavy bleeder. She did say that the Bigfoot that was coming to back of her house was extremely skinny and like linky and not, not a, like a big Bigfoot. Alpha. So it was, yeah, it was to me, it was like maybe a juvenile that got pushed out of the group. And he was looking for, you know, a mate or something. And so her husband was also a trucker. And so whenever he left town, you know, this activity happened as well. So she, whenever she reached, whenever she reached out to me, I think I talked to her for like three or four months afterwards. And uh, just to her, she, she would call me at three o'clock in the morning and we would talk and uh, I would talk her through stuff. And I said, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to get out there till you know, this weekend it's Thursday. So, but, uh, but I just wanted to mention that I, I forgot to mention that in that story. So Matt is, is a Bigfoot dating site for these lonely teen Bigfoots in the offing. Like maybe we could become more popular among them. If we're able to provide, we'll go out, try to get some photographs of eligible females, males, and then they can migrate. I mean, you might have just deciphered the stick formations. That, that, be, right. that might be what those are actually. I'm single, ready to mingle. Yeah. Is what that big yeah. A with the okay? There we go. This could be it. I think we're on to something here, Robert. This <laughs> makes me not want to camp ever. Deb, so you know. Deb, feel free to change I, topics. As soon I as can't possible. believe I've camped alone as much as I have and never had a Bigfoot. Oh man, 
Okay, okay, I'm changing the topic. Okay. Okay. So, so, people take Bigfoot people seriously? Well, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's over now, guys. Sorry. Um, That's it. We're never camping now, also. Okay. So, um, I just wanted to say that when we were talking before about that speech pattern that tends to be um, either infrasound or telepathic. It made mm-hmm. me wonder if the Bigfoot community has done experience or research like we do with the UFO community and other communities. Is anyone taking Bigfoot experiencers mm-hmm. and like studying what's going on possibly with their abilities, their brains and things like that, like they do with the UFO community? Uh, I don't know anyone that's actually doing that. Do you, Matt? No, but I mean... Peter Bankman of Ghostbusters. That's definitely how I would go about it <laughs> if I were to start doing it uh, with the, you know, the ESP cards. Um, yeah. In all seriousness, no. Uh, where the UFO community tends to have a lot more structure uh, with things like that, the Bigfoot community, there's so much uh, infighting and division mm-hmm. based on theory and conjecture and just personality types. Uh I mean, <laughs> the idea of coming together for a cause like that, I mean, it might be happening, but not on a level like it should be. Uh, and I'm certainly not aware of anybody doing it. Or it's not in public view right. for people to observe and see because there's just not like that. Yeah, I just want to say, and Julie's asking, uh, Sasquatch harems, Jules, um, you know, I, I, we, the, the problem is that we don't know about the, I don't know if you would call it animal husbandry or the, you know, the, 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 the mating rituals of Bigfoots. We, we suspect that sometimes when the teenager gets to where the point where he could be an alpha male, sometimes he'll have to leave the tribe and go out on his own. People will talk about a very well coiffed Bigfoot where the hair is combed and they look very clean and taken care of. And that, that may be your alpha uh, and, and the females in the group taking care of them. And then some, when, when, when a teenager gets old enough and big enough and be like, okay, it's time for you to go and find your own, your own group. And that's when they can get in trouble. They get into areas uh, where maybe you wouldn't see a family unit and all these sorts of things can come into play, but we really don't, the answer is we really don't know. And night gazers saying, so we just need a hot chick to lure one into a trap. So, you know, if, you know, Deb and yes, or, or, hello. Or is willing to, I'm not you know, sure Mr. Prime would be good with this. Yeah. But <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> it's going to look a lot like King Kong, but no, I'm getting back to, <laughs> to what you guys are saying. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. Get it, t- take it away, Matt. <laughs> yeah, take it where, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you know, because you guys have so many, so many things uh, to discuss. But what Deb says is, is uh, you know, what you said was true to Deb's uh, the Bigfoot community. First of all, there's a stigma attached to anything of what what we're talking about, and there's a lot of uh, quote serious Bigfoot researchers unquote that would look like when you start talking about this aspect about infrasound and all that they're not interested to discuss it's it's kind of a non-starter yeah i think part it, of it yeah i think it has a lot to do with just uh the whole mindset and the fear of uh appearances to the public and you know their peers in the bigfoot community and everything there uh, there's this underlying fear uh 
with a lot of researchers. I mean, if you take somebody, we'll just say Cliff Berrickman, okay? He he's put his face out there. Uh, he's obviously well known from finding Bigfoot and everything. If he were to run across uh, situations, which I know he has, of something beyond the realm of flesh and blood as we understand it, uh, being tied to a Bigfoot event, he wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't put it out there. Uh, he would be overly concerned that, you know, we have to do everything by the scientific book to try and prove that these creatures exist. And the only way we're going to accomplish that is by sticking to the rules mm -hmm. that the scientific community has laid out. Uh, and beyond that, they're, they're just not even going to entertain any notions. And you and I have talked enough, you know, obviously Robert, you know, and I have talked at exhaustion about it. We don't know that Bigfoot isn't just flesh and blood. What mm -hmm. we do know is that people report things happening and that the paranormal and UFOs and everything else out there overlaps one another. And that includes into the Bigfoot world. So how do we prove that there, there's really no way to prove that Bigfoot can or can't do things like Deb was saying, uh, something very interesting about the whole, uh, telepathic abilities of Bigfoot. Uh, there are people, uh, Robert and I both know people that have claimed to have heard a voice in their head coming from the Bigfoot. But then whenever you start asking them specific questions, mm -hmm. well, why do you think it came from the Bigfoot? Well, they were out there looking for Bigfoot. So it must have been a Bigfoot. Uh, yes. But that's not necessarily true. It, You know, it could be their own intuition. It could be their own psychic abilities that they didn't even know they had. It could be divine intervention. We don't know the source of the voice. We just know that the voice, according to them, isn't theirs. It wasn't their conscious doing it. But since they were out looking for Bigfoot, they've connected it to Bigfoot. Yes. Oh, Matt. Bravo. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yes, this, no, this gets me all hyped up again because I, I'm so fascinated by the discussions around this subject about materialism versus non-materialism versus interplay between the few or two and um, even just how we contextualize and interpret um, strange and mysterious encounters in daily life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, like this whole idea of connecting uh, an internal voice or monologue to a Bigfoot experience. This is so fascinating. It reminds me of when I started to put together, like, oh, uh, when I hear people talk about experiences from a UFO perspective, to me, in the Leo reality, that maps to spiritual emergence. And once I started seeing those parallels, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like actually super common. Like lots of people have these things happen. Um, it's just that people interpret and contextualize them so differently based on where they happen and the circumstances and their sort of anthropological and cultural framing. Um, again, I, I don't have strong beliefs on this subject as much as I'm always really fascinated by how people understand and interpret uh, what happens to them um, and kind of build them into their personal cosmologies of how they understand reality and assign meaning and stuff. Uh, there, there is, a, I just want to say one thing about what Leah said. There, there is a bit of a weighted system though, right? Leah, like if, if you say like Travis Walton, for example, you mm -hmm. had five witnesses or whatever in the truck that saw 
what happened to him. And then he mm-hmm. was gone. So um, you also have people like, you know, we've spoken to Linda Thompson. And she said, mm-hmm. there are times when uh, my husband has woken up and I'm not there. So there's something, you know, there's sort of a, a backup. There's something tangible right there. He wakes up. I'm not there. My keys are there. Where the hell is my wife? You know, if people are having these experiences, then there's a little more weight to them than someone that could be in a dreamlike state. Mm-hmm. And and dreams can be very, very real. We know that. We all saw Freddy Krueger. Just kidding. Um, and, I have not seen Freddy Krueger. <laughs> well, good. It's very terrible. <laughs> Probably for the best. Yes, uh, it is. But, but, but uh, for example, I want to point out, and this is a popular one, Survivor Man, Les Stroud. Now, if you took somebody like me who's not in the woods all that much, hasn't camped out all that much, at least lately. Yeah, I've been through survival tra- school and all that good stuff, but I, I don't spend anywhere near the kind of time alone in the woods that Survivor Man does. And if he were to say, you know, with the thousands of hours that he has spent in the woods as a professional survivalist, and he's never heard voices in his head, and then all of a sudden he heard something, that carries a little more weight to me than somebody who doesn't, who's not a professional woodsman, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, oh, that's yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, that, that's my interpretation. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, there's probably people that, like Matt said, it could be just a voice in your head telling me, I need to get out of here now. I don't, I don't need to walk further down this trail. I think that's what Matt was alluding. I need to turn, turn back and head towards camp. But there also, is it possible that someone like Survivor Man who, you know, it, I mean, it doesn't exist for, hey, what's up, man? Tim's in the house. I was just speaking with Tim Haller and Bigfoot Influencers <laughs> early, working on another book. Well, um, but anyway, Robert, you look like you got something, brother. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys, a, I'm going to change subject. I wanted to ask you guys a question. Sure. Um, I'm fascinated by Ingrid Cole. I wanted y'all's take on Ingrid Cole. Yeah, in case who anyone is. who doesn't know the context, um, that is actually in the Mothman Prophecies movie. It was another legend that got mushed in with the, that one. And it's about mm-hmm. an individual that is also known as the Smiling Man that has been seen in a couple of cases. He's like an entity that has this huge grin on his face. And he told someone he encountered his name was Ingrid Cole. Never, yeah, I'm unfamiliar. He's, he's he's in a couple of books, right? He's in Alan Greenspan's book. He's in Stephen Keel's book, I think. Yeah, I think oh, yeah, Keel talks, yeah, talks about him. It also feels like there's some overlap in the Venn diagram with uh, Men in Black encounters. His description always seemed to match a Men in Black type scenario to me. Um, yeah, which kind of slips into my labs, actually, because there's like this overlap between um, entities and entities wearing military uniforms. Yeah, I've, I was I've been I was intrigued by that, that guy. And I, I don't know, I just wanted to ask y'all's opinion. About it, so, <laughs> you know, if I had to give out my theory on it, it seems like what often happens is that we're getting almost um a hallucination of what the actual entity might be like um Mm -hmm. a hologram like we're not Mm -hmm. actually encountering the authentic entity but we're encountering some kind of illusion 
Um, and this is why I was making that comment earlier because I, I'm really thinking we need to investigate if it is an external thing or something within us that is allowing us to have these experiences. If we're like, a lot of people are using the term antennas, so to speak. And it would be great if someone listening wanted to investigate that with Bigfoot experiencers a little bit more deeply. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I mean, Deb. Yes. I mean, that's that's something uh, that I've tried to, you know, dip my toes into with my own podcast is talking to witnesses uh, about the overlaps and how a lot of experiencers aren't uh, relegated to a single subject in their lives. They'll experience things from all different aspects of the paranormal and the cryptids. It's not just, yeah, I saw a Bigfoot. It's, I saw a Bigfoot. Oh, well, there was also a UFO. Oh, well, yes. I also saw a ghost whenever I was young. There was, there was this incredible presentation given by Sean S. Bernhagen's at the, um, inquiry into anomalous experiences, uh, conference back in October 2022 and he basically pulled up super experiencer slides where he went through people that had reported uh, basically encounters with every single conceivable thing across the entire spectrum of high strangeness from Bigfoot to uh, extremely close encounters to precognition to clear audience clairvoyance uh, near-death experiences etc and and I keep coming back to this idea that once you have one kind of mysterious or high strangeness experience it's almost like it makes a crack in the dam where your consciousness is then more um, apt or prone to experiencing or interpreting other high strangeness events right like once you have one it's easier to have the next and every subsequent one becomes easier and easier to access and experience what's your I, thoughts I, on that Robert yeah I hear I hear a lot of people saying you know thinning of the veil whenever that stuff like that happens when, yes. when, they, when they have like, you know, multiple different paranormal cryptid. And you hear that more and more now than in the day. Yeah. The new age so, term is raising your frequency. Yes. Or vibration, which of course. Frequency. Makes, <laughs> yes. Raising your frequency or vibration. Then you have more experiences. What's your thought on that, Matt? Do you, well, you've seen all three, right? You, have you had UFO experience as well, Matt? Yeah. Okay, so you've seen all three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had some crazy experiences over the span of my lifetime. I had some crazy experiences today that we'll talk about uh, later privately. But um, Ooh, this, is, and this yeah. is why we hired you, by the way. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you're late on payment, by the way. Uh, you know, man. geez. So. I don't, I don't want to keep on getting sidetracked. I mean, there, this leads to a whole nother discussion, but I do want to allow Robert, since he's giving us some of his time, if you don't mind talking about your experiences at Kenny's place, uh, because yeah. there was some overlap there, you know, and I think, I think that's a great story. Yeah. Um, there was, there was this one time I, I would, I would say this, this is, I'm going to say where it's at. It's in the Kimichi mountains in Oklahoma. So a buddy of mine had, he had a cabin there and we used to, you know, like rumor was that there was a bunch of Bigfoot up there. And so we would go up there and, and, uh, one of our friends had a cabin. So sometimes we would tan out, you know, put a tent out or we would, we would just stay like in the cabin. And there was a couple of times where I think at the time, um, uh, he had a neighbor that was probably like a good 200 yards away. And there were, there were building cabins in this one area. So, 
one of you know like one of his neighbors used to chop up wood and sometimes he was there sometimes he wasn't and so whenever he was there we would take texas beer up to oklahoma because texas beer is a little stronger than oklahoma beer used to and be so, yeah and, red <laughs> river baby and then we used to we used to trade beer for firewood so there was there was this one time uh it was like me and two other guys we were up there and we see a car coming up the road and so i autom- i automatically nudged kenny i said hey your neighbor's coming let's go get some firewood because i didn't want to go look for firewood at night i just didn't want to and so you know we got a pack of beer and we started walking up the road you know to meet him at his house and so as we we're walking up the road uh we noticed that the headlights were coming up they're getting closer and closer and then we realized i think like halfway walking up there that um these headlights didn't have an engine running at all there was no motor nothing and so the, the these two lights were white okay and so as we noticed it okay there's no motor it noticed us and as soon as it noticed us it these two lights just took off into the woods and they were dodging they were going around trees and it was like a probably like a drop-off like a hundred foot drop-off probably like 300 yards away and went to the drop-off and went straight down and so all three of us stopped and we all looked at each other. I said, don't say a word. So we walked back to the cabin and we wrote down exactly what we all saw and we compared notes. And I don't know what that was. I don't know if it was UFO. I don't know if it was paranormal. I don't know, but it was the strangest thing that ever happened to me when I was in the woods, you know, looking for a Bigfoot. So that's crazy. What, what's your, what's your thoughts on that guys, gals? I'm thinking of that, um, what is it, Edgar Casey or one of those people um, was saying, if you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back. <laughs> Who was it that said that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was Frederick Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Edgar Casey, next best thing. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't remember okay. who it was. Okay. It, it just seems like if you if you open up and invite that stuff in it's going to happen right mm-hmm. i guess that's part of that raising the frequency stuff well orbs i mean for lack of a better term uh is something that is reported on a consistent basis in the bigfoot world uh oftentimes by researchers in the bigfoot world uh some people connect them to bigfoot directly uh i'm still of the mindset of just because they're in the same area at the same time doesn't mean they have anything to do with one another. Uh, otherwise, you could say that orbs are connected to deer because deer also live in these areas. Uh, and orbs are also something that I have learned uh, through you guys that are consistent in the UFO world as well. All over the world. Dr. Uh, Sean Kirkpatrick said it today at the NASA briefing. Same yeah. All over the world. Uh, so Robert is obviously somebody I trust Uh a thousand percent over you know and and he saw these two orbs uh, acting independent of one another and traveling through the woods and taking off over you know a, a cliff basically uh in a known hot spot for bigfoot activity i don't know if there's any connection or not uh these mountains though uh you know there might be something to the uh material content of the mountain range itself uh a a lot of these areas are believed to be high in quartz uh and different types of crystals i know in this area 
whenever I visited down there, you could literally just walk around and find crystals laying on the ground. It was absolutely insane. I brought some home with me, as a matter of fact. And there are beliefs that uh, crystals can record information or uh, draw in energy and are oftentimes considered in theories along with uh, paranormal and psychic events. You know, there's crystal healing. There's all kinds of things going on with crystals. Uh, the folklore of Atlantis was based off of the idea of using crystals as these technological devices. So maybe that has something to do with the orbs. I don't know. Um, crystal meth. Crystal yeah. meth, uh, very popular in southeastern Oklahoma in the same yeah. region. Uh, so yeah, does it all? Is it all connected? Is it all separate? Who knows? Uh, but there's definitely things taking place in certain areas uh, where it seems almost concentrated, where these things overlap. Robert, I don't know if you have something on that. I'm going to add. I'm going to add on to it. But go ahead if you'd like to react to that, sir. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna say also um, that same area because we were we were in we're in like in the Kimichi Mountains, and it's like a you know relatively like a big hill. At the bottom of this hill was a dam, and there was an area I've never seen it, but there's been an area down there that uh, some of the locals used to say that they would see UFOs come and land there. And so right next to this dam was this green field. And it was pristine green, like, like, uh, and there was no shrubbery in this area, no trees, no shrubs, nothing. It was just like a big. It was probably like I don't know, like a hundred, hundred yards or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I used to go there and just look at it. I said, it almost like someone was making a soccer field or a baseball field or football field. And and I would ask the owner of that area. I said, what's this for? Because I don't know, it's just there. And so rumors were were. Like, swir like swirling around that UFOs come land there, but I never got a chance to talk to anybody who said that. But I thought that was kind of odd in that same area with those orbs and Bigfoot stuff in that area too. So, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny that there there is a convergence there. But I actually heard I want to throw this this hy hypothesis at you that I heard posited by uh, Christopher Noel, the author researcher from up in Maine and apparently a lot of people uh, that, that there are, there are others in the community that have stated this, but um, the reason that I found this hypothesis interesting is because there are so many cross sections between humans and Bigfoot. Uh, just the fact that, you know, the, uh, the way that we walk, the fact that we share 95% DNA with apes, and we, we, it's unknown how much we share with Bigfoot, but they, we have more in common with the Bigfoot as a, as a, homino, a, 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 a homo sapien than, than we even do with a gorilla, and we have 95% of the same DNA. And so just to announce, uh, uh, Chris, uh, rather Tim Halloran from Bigfoot, Influence, from Bigfoot Influencer said, uh, it was just sent to me, that the Darby or Darby Orkut from NC State, they have officially launched their genetic analysis project, which is going to focus on samples of uh, uh, DNA that's been attributed to Bigfoot, uh, you know, hair samples, so forth, collections, and um, and then test those and, and see what they come up with. Uh, I had heard about this. I'm sure you guys have heard about it, too, and I'm really glad that they're taking it on because that's what Deb was calling for earlier in the show. But what I wanted to say is that when we look at ghosts and everybody here, I mean, there's 
three of you, I don't, I'm not sure what Leah's experience is with ghosts and, and poltergeist and paranormal, but they say that people have heard them walking within a home. People, many, many thousands of people have had experiences where they can move something within the home. They can throw something. They can close the door. They can change the temperature in the room. You can hear them. You can occasionally see them. They can interact with you and then disapparate and they're they're gone, right? They can walk through walls, all these sorts of things. So when Christopher Noel said, isn't it possible then that what people are seeing in the woods that appears to have a extraterrestrial component to it or, or the fact that a Bigfoot could be walking through a portal, couldn't it be a spirit or ghost of a former a living Bigfoot that inhabited those woods that has returned and decided to interact with people that are in those woods looking for their flesh and blood uh, live brethren. Um, and it, if that's so, and they can move branches and they can change the temperature around you and they can uh, interact with you in all the ways that a ghost does in somebody's home, then isn't it possible that this cousin of ours uh, could also be doing the same thing in the woods. I, I ask you that, Robert, and, and Matt, and then the other cabbies as well. You know, I was going to say that I know Matt and I have talked about this on your show, Matt. And then, wasn't it the episode where we were talking about uh, dead Bigfoot, right? Um, Bigfoot bury their dead, right? Yeah, yeah. And we and we discussed that. And I know I asked that question. I said, you know, why couldn't it not be a, a, a you know, a ghost of a Bigfoot? Because I know... One of the stories I've talked to with a gentleman, when he said he saw a Bigfoot, it, he said it was massive and it and it was looked like it was floating. It was walking so fluidly, it looked like it was floating. And then it, when it stepped into the woods, he said the woods swallowed it. And so that always stuck with me, whenever they, whenever like an eyewitness tells me stories like that. And I I know I like I said I've talked about this on Matt's show. Matt, I'm gonna let you go from there. Yeah. Um... It's something that kind of uh, intrigued me early on, uh, especially with the idea of some Bigfoot experiences uh, being attributed to Bigfoot when it could have just been a ghost. I mean, if you hear, like, for instance, if you're in your tent and something slaps the tent or you hear footsteps running around your camp, but you don't see anything. If you're out there looking for Bigfoot or Bigfoot happens to pop in your head whenever those things happen, you attribute them to Bigfoot naturally. But it could be mm -hmm. a haunting. You know, woods can be haunted just as easily as an old graveyard or a house or anything else. The grounds, uh, the grounds could be haunted. Yeah. So there's actually a, a guy who uh, I used to talk to every now and then who was in Missouri, I believe. Yeah, Missouri. And, uh, he was under the firm belief that there was a Bigfoot uh, going into a building at night. And this building was reportedly haunted because of the Bigfoot activity. Wow. Um, now, that obviously, he never crossed over into the realm of it being a ghost Bigfoot. Uh, but he just thought, you know, one was being attributed to the other. But sure, yeah, absolutely, in my opinion, uh, a Bigfoot can be a ghost just like anything else can be a ghost that was once living. And they would be able to... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. 
Sorry, they would be able to interact the same way that any other spirits interact and it could very well possibly explain some of the uh bigfoot encounters that we hear about that have sort of a paranormal tone to them or have uh events that are beyond the scope of our own scientific understandings yeah and we have about uh, 10 minutes left but i, I want to get uh, what we uh, get your thoughts on that prime time and deb I mean, it opens a can of worms because there's like a whole field of psychology that has to do with our ancestors and like Neanderthal interactions and how that has caused fear. And it might be like mapped in our DNA, right? Mm. To, to, to see like large eyes, for instance, as something scary um, because our ancestors mm -hmm. were scared of uh, beings with large eyes. So, like, the other aspect of that is that people who study um, ghosts also study the, that maybe some of these ghosts are remnant memories. So some of these Bigfoot sightings could be really ancient Bigfoot or primates that we've encountered. And whether or not it's in our DNA to be afraid of them or it's a memory that just replays is a question that we might have to answer at some point. Prime time. Yes, uh -oh. everything Deb just said. <laughs> <laughs> Your check's in the mail, too. All right. <laughs> and and whether or not you're afraid of it or not, really, for this part of the discussion is immaterial, though. It's just looking to explain how things are. For example, Terry Wendell from Rock Hill Bigfoot in South Carolina, he came on with us, and he said he heard the Bigfoot approaching his tent. He said it sounded like a football player with cinder blocks on his feet in the approach. It came up to his tent, and you guys have heard many stories where it puts its finger on the fabric and touches the, the human inside it. And mm -hmm. then when it left, it removed its finger and it left. He didn't hear a, he didn't hear a thing. So physics mm -hmm. would dictate that's not possible. But what if it was a ghost? <laughs> you know, I mean, just because the, the, the just everything that Matt said, I mean, they exhibit the same behaviors that they exhibit in the home. Their home happens to be in the forest. Mm -hmm. um, so go ahead, Prime Time. Oh, no, I, I was I was uh, vocally agreeing with you, this idea that um, ghosts or hauntings or our experiences of them uh, certainly are not restricted to our homes. I mean, something you've said many times, DJ, and I just think this is another fine example of that. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. It, it's yes. multiple know. things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And, and what's, what occurs ahead. to me is it's like super time bending if you think that some of it is really from the ancient past. Like, what does that say about time? I'm, I'm sorry. Say that again, Deb. I was just bringing yes. up Night Gazer's uh, uh, experience from in the, his friends and his friends in the bathroom. And right. Night Gazer, that's that's known as a house cat. <laughs> man is cold man he is cold he is cold-blooded man i yeah and i guess that ghost arm with the virtual background it does that man unfortunately but people seeing less of me is not necessarily a bad thing uh you know we have the good looking people on the show for that um so anyway uh it's just it's a fascinating aspect it, it could actually uh explain uh, at least part of it, and and there also may be uh, an aspect of it that uh, has to do with, 
you know, because the other the other aspect of it is, okay, if you believe the thousands of experiencers, and before actually before I get to that, um, Julie pointed out something earlier that I want to point out to anybody Bigfooter who's listening. Dr. Simeon Hine um, has a Bigfoot support group. Uh, Julie can get me the link, and I will make sure that's in the show notes, uh, so that if you want to. Um, it, it's a support group. It's not a podcast. It's, you know, n- none of that stuff. It's something that Matt has been calling for. And Dr. Simeon Hine is great, uh, in, and has expertise in both remote viewing. He teaches that. Um, he also has, uh, a, uh, is very into the study of UFOs and speaks on that at conferences and also Bigfoot. He has an equal interest in Bigfoot. And thank God that we don't have to just say, no, I'm only about this one thing and nothing else. So, and thankfully, everybody in this panel kind of has that attitude. Uh, right, Robert? I mean, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe if, if, if there is a phenomenon that is coming and interacting with humans uh, for its purpose, that is literally taking DNA and body parts out of a cattle that we can't figure out how they want because we can't figure out how to use uh, this, this uh, particular pieces of biology that they take. Well, then what's to say that they wouldn't want to interact with Bigfoot? How would we know that they wouldn't be interested to interact with Bigfoot? Maybe they are. Go ahead, Robert. No, I was just going to say that I, um, I I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's just one of those things that I, I really support, you know, people and I want to help them in the best I can. And so... I, I love doing what I do. I love helping Matt. I'm, I'm really happy being on this show. So it's awesome, man. You are, you're awesome, man. This is just, this is just part one, man. We got to have you back for part two. Cause I know that, uh, we, we, and when I say we didn't really scratch the surface of the experiences that you and Matt had, but we really just had, you know, stream of consciousness on, on Bigfoot and paranormal here, which is also enjoyable. Um, so, but l- let me make sure everybody, we, we get around and everybody gets a last question in or a last word in, and then we'll, we'll go with cabbie goodbyes after that. But, uh, Debs, uh, if you would, is there something else that you want us to consider? Yeah. I'm just thrown by this idea of the spiritual Bigfoot, because when we, <laughs> when we open that door, like we also open this time concept because unfortunately when when you talk about spirits some people are saying some of those spirits are maybe from the future and like ah there's like a whole science quantum physics aspect to that which leads me to like what if bigfoot are our future selves rather than our past selves and it's like ah Okay, let's flesh that out a little further to make sure we understand what you're wrestling with here. And and it, forgive me if you guys understand it and I don't. Okay, so when you talk about ghosts and you say that there are memories, some people say that they may be from the future, that there's like an imprint from the future rather than the past. So if we're talking about a ghost Bigfoot, some of them may actually be future Bigfoot which would also explain some of these portal experiences. So now I'm like thrown thinking about this. Yeah. But aren't, isn't there a difference between like a poltergeist and a ghost? Can somebody help me out here that one of them is a memory and the other one, I mean, spiritual manifestation. uh, There's what's called a residual haunting. 
which seems to replay an event over and over and over and it doesn't have any intelligent interaction with any of the people around it then there's an intelligent haunting where the spirit knows you're there and interacts with you directly and then there's poltergeist activity which just means it's more like noises and objects being thrown across the room and things like that um and there's also a whole train of thought that believes poltergeist activity is actually us because it seems to be centered around a lot of uh younger people and teenagers uh and people going through really intense puberty. emotion at the time puberty mm -hmm. all that stuff yeah and Jules, thank you for putting this up. There's about Dr. Simeon's uh, Bigfoot support group. If you can just DM me that because I'll get it in the show notes tonight. And thank you so much for always being like totally Johnny on the spot with uh, different links that we need that, the, that that are pertinent to what the guest is talking about. Thank you. Um, uh, prime time. Um, any last parting shots? Uh, any last parting shots? You know, um, I, I'm always kind of returning and returning to just how people experience and interpret these encounters, whether it's Bigfoot or any other kind of um, mysterious or strange encounter. Um, and uh, at a certain point, I, I think conversations about whether things are real or not in any meaningful sense cease to be important because they still deeply affect uh, experiencers. They still deeply affect humans. And I think that at the very least, we owe it to ourselves um, just as thinking and considering human beings to explore these ideas very seriously. Um, so uh, I, I just really appreciate having the guest tonight um, and really appreciate kind of the depth and breadth of conversation we've had. Thank you. Definitely. Um, Matt, uh, do you have a, a parting shot, parting thought? And then and then we'll officially say goodbye to Mr. Dominguez with Cabby with our, our, our patented Cabby goodbye. Yeah, what if there's something, something else, uh, uh, a greater intelligence, uh, God, whatever you want to say, that's actually in control of everything, and it controls what our field of view is at any given time, what our reality is, <laughs> and if it doesn't want us to see something, it just changes our field of view where we can't see it. Or sometimes we, you know, whenever it's not looking, we do get a chance to see real reality for a second. Uh, one of the thoughts that I've had for a long time is maybe all of these things are so mysterious and go unproven for so long, like Bigfoot, for instance. It's real simple because we're not supposed to know they're there. We're, we're not supposed to discover them. And if that's the case, we're all screwed. <laughs> it sounds like the Donald Hoffman theory that Science Bob uh, explained when he was on with us. Um, I, you know, my personal feeling about that is um, I try not to define reality for somebody else. And I think that's kind of like a tangent of what Leah was saying. Mm -hmm. I think there are experiences that people have that are tangible to the point where another witness could see that and say, okay, something is happening now. Something just happened. For example, Terry Loveless, and if you hadn't heard about him, uh, is I don't know if it's called Devil's Den or Devil's Canyon in, in Missouri, uh, Robert, but uh, it was an Air Force airman named uh, Terry Lovelace who ended up becoming assistant U.S. attorney 
in, in a couple of different states, AUSA and, uh, and his friend Toby, and they were abducted uh, and saw a whole bunch of people on board a very, very large craft. And when they came back, they were taken in by OSI and all kinds of things happened. The park rangers went and picked up their campsite because they just left it. So there are certain things that have a certain tangibility, and then there are other things kind of uh, that, you know, we just have to take them and just, you know, say, okay, something happened to this person. I might not have seen it. I can't prove it. But I believe they, you know, something happened in, in their reality. And we don't necessarily have to differentiate, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I just try not to codify and define what has happened to to someone else because that can that can be you know that I'm trying to you know subtract from what happened to them, and I don't want to do that. Uh, but there there probably are you know different levels of of, of experiences, and and certainly. Whether we're meant to see it or not, Matt, I mean, geez, thousands of, of people, you guys and gals have been out there and have seen this. So if it was if we weren't meant to discover it, uh, they're a little bit late. Um, DJ, unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to have to go in just okay. a moment. And I wanted ahead, to say, I wanted to say that what you've said and what Leah has said and what, you know, a lot of people have been saying about. Bigfoot leads me to just think the most important thing we can do is look to the experiencer mm -hmm. and find out what is happening that they're able to see past that that illusion that seems to be part of life, um, that reality that isn't um, what we're actually experiencing because Donald Hoffman has spoken about that too, about what we're perceiving is not the actual reality that we're in. And I think what matt's alluding to is that there's a, like a someone behind the scenes that doesn't want us to see but we are and mm -hmm. why is that so we need to go to the experiencer and find out so i wanted to say thank you so much um robert thank for you. coming and talking to us thank you um i hope that we get to have you again and get more information from you because of course obviously you've inspired so much <laughs> thought for us today of course so thank you and take care everybody bye debs we'll see you thank you so much See you, Uh Let's yeah. go with uh, uh, Matt or Primetime. Go ahead, Matt, since that's your brother. Go ahead and cabby goodbye with Robert. Bobby D. My bro. What's Matt. happening, dog? Matthew Thanks Matt. so much, man. Uh, Thank you. I, I know you're a busy guy, and I, I've finally been able to unite these two worlds. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, you got you guys already know about each other, so <laughs> I, I'm glad that it's finally happened, and uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation, as I always do. Anytime you're involved, appreciate it. Prime time. I'm here. Did I do my cabbie goodbye? <laughs> okay. If, if well, we weren't doing cabbies goodbyes yet, but if that was it, then I'll just go with my cabbie goodbye. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Um, all right. Prime, uh, prime time apparently already did her cabbie goodbye. Robert, um, thank you so much. As, as Matt said, you know, I've heard about you for a period of time now. And uh, any brother of Matt's is a brother of mine. And I really would like to do a episode two with you. Uh, hopefully Money Nathan will be here because he's such great conversation as well. And uh, we had there's we we've 
literally we have so much more to learn from you. I mean, I get to learn from Matt, but having another resource like yourself, um, because we're brand newbies in Bigfoot, you know what I mean? So yeah. thank you so much for being here, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I'm glad to be a part of this uh, tonight. And, uh, you know, Matt's been talking so hard to you guys. And, uh, you know, same thing here. I, any any friend of Matt's is friends of mine. So I, that's the way I see it. So you will come back on for a part two. Absolutely. Absolutely. I may, I may have you guys on uh Bigfoot club. We can talk about Justin Timberlake and all that stuff. So <laughs> definitely down for that, man. I definitely come on, man. As you can see, I have no trouble talking about any of these genres. I enjoy the hell out of it. Julie saying, thanks for riding with us as always uh, Deb. Um, and what, uh, Terry has visited our group a couple times. I don't know if I'm not sure if Julie's talking about, uh, Terry, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, Lovelace. Terry Lovelace. Yeah. Famous big, Bigfoot story. He's written a couple of books now. I'd love to speak with him. Uh, former Air Force Airman. And uh, Julie says, it's been lovely. It's been a lovely ride, Bigfoot Bobs. <laughs> Thank you. Um, she also had a sighting when she was growing up in Indiana uh, down the end of her cul-de-sac uh, as it was eating some berries. Um, nice. but, uh, yeah, yeah, Robert. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely, um, get you on again. And since you're, you're open to that because we have so much to learn. So, uh, for, uh, Debs who, who's not here for money, Nathan, who's out on the road for Matt, Leah and Robert Dominguez. This is DJ saying peace out one love. We'll see you down the road. And as always, we're wondering what's up around the bend. Very cool show.